Here is a house. It is green and white. It has a red door. It is very pretty. Here is the family. Mother, father, Dick and Jane live in the green and white house. They are very happy. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Yes. I'm, I'm guessing a lot of us learned how to read as little kids with these simple picture books that were about this happy white American family in the United States. I mean, this was like half a century of people learning how to read with those books. In the, during the Civil Rights Movement, Toni Morrison begins her book, The Bluest Eyes, or The Bluest Eye, with this reading. Um, but it's just the words. She doesn't include the pictures that go along with the words that help form generations of children. She doesn't have to include the pictures because she assumes that the words will bring those pictures to mind, right? She assumes that everybody knows what she's talking about. She knows that this happy white family is imprinted on the soul of this nation and of our culture. But in the next paragraph, she removes all the punctuation from that book so that it reads like this. Here is the house. It is green and white. It has a red door. It is very pretty. Here is the family. Mother, father, Dick, and Jane live in a green and white house. They are very happy. See Jane. She has a red dress. She wants to play. Who will play with Jane? See the cat. It goes meow, meow. Come and play. Come and play with Jane. The kitten will not play. See mother. Mother is very nice. Mother, will you play with Jane? Mother laughs. Laugh, mother, laugh. See father. He is big and strong. Father will play with with Jane, mother is smiling, smiling, father smile. See the dog, bow wow, goes the dog, do you want to play with Jane? See the dog, run, run, dog, run. Look here, comes a friend, the friend will play with Jane, they will play a good game. Play Jane, play. Whew. Did you catch all that? Uh, so, obviously harder to read, harder to understand when you remove all the punctuation, but, but then this paragraph is repeated for a third time but all of the spaces are removed between the words so that we're left with a jumble of letters that are unreadable and make no sense at all. So The Bluest Eye is a story about a, a young black girl growing up in the 1940s in Ohio who, like everyone else, is learning to read from books like this that portray a standard of happiness, a standard of beauty, and a standard of virtue that are far removed from her own life experience. So when we read this paragraph, this very familiar paragraph, without the punctuation, we can feel a little bit of the disconnect that she feels. And when we look at an unreadable paragraph without spacing, we can feel the lack of connection. We can feel the lack of meaning or understanding that she feels. And so we come to the church. Or we open the Bible and we read about a God who maybe is far removed from our life experience. We read about a God who is a father. We read about Jesus who is a son. And obviously for a lot of us, this has meaning in it and it makes a lot of sense. But depending upon our life experience, we might be reading this story, we might be hearing this story as if there's no punctuation. We might look at the Bible as if it's a jumble of letters that make no sense at all. 
which is like probably most of our experience. Like, I open the Bible and I see a jumble of letters and I'm not sure what to make of it. Because not everyone will be able to connect with God in the same way. Not everyone will be able to connect with God as father or as son or with any number of other images that we see in the Bible that teaches us about God. So the Gospel of John, which we started reading a few weeks ago, does use the obvious language of father and son when referring to God. But we noticed also two weeks ago that John does blur the lines of gender in telling the Jesus story. Jesus, we're told, at the beginning of John, is the word. But in the book of Proverbs, we're told that Sophia, or Lady Wisdom, is that word. She is God's divine presence in the world. And what John is doing is blending these two traditions together, the tradition of Sophia together with the tradition or the stories of Jesus. So where we see Jesus in this gospel, we see Sophia. And where we see Sophia in the Bible, Christians for centuries, almost from the beginning, have seen Jesus. By blurring the lines of gender, we are given a fuller and perhaps more accessible understanding of God, which makes all kinds of sense because in Genesis 1, that creation poem or story, God's created image found in humanity is reflected in all gender expressions, not just in men, thank God. Jesus slash Lady Wisdom is God's creative life-giving word, which reminds us that our words, too, are important, and that with our words, we can create. We can create all kinds of things, good things and, and not so good things. So what words are needed if we want to be a, a creative, life-giving community? That's the question for us. What words are we supposed to use or do we need to use to be a creative, life-giving community? What words spoken out loud are needed to create open and inclusive space here where everyone, everyone has access to God's love? So um, it's a three-day weekend. For, for all of you who have children, you know that it's a three-day weekend. I just discovered it on Friday when I picked up my son and he told me it was a three-day weekend. Uh, it's a three-day weekend because it's the beginning of Rosh Hashanah, um, which is the Jewish New Year. So our Jewish friends here and around the world are remembering and celebrating this origin story in Genesis 1. It's the birth of the universe and the beginning of a new year. Another opportunity to create something new with your life and with the world. So the Gospel of John is also remembering and celebrating this origin story where creation is brought forth by a spoken word. Genesis 2 is a second and different creation story. So Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord God formed a human from the dust or from the clay of the ground and breathed into its nostrils the breath of life and the human became a living being. In other words, see God play. Play, God, play, right? God's hands are like an artist working with clay 
or like a child's hands that are covered in dirt and mud. God is like an artist who pours her heart and her mind and her body and soul into what she is creating. A creator who is so close to what she is making that she can breathe into its nostrils, which is sort of gross, but also reminds us that the physical presence of God is close, is there. In this creation story, the world and humanity is created by a word, is not created by a word, but by physical presence, by the physical presence of God. And in this origin story, um, it, it's also echoed in the Gospel of John. So, so the Gospel of John is taking advantage of all of the traditions. So John chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the word, Sophia, Jesus, Lady Wisdom, the Word became flesh and lived among us, with us, close to us. And we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. And then in verse 16, from Jesus' fullness, we have all received grace upon grace upon endless grace. We have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, or as a mother's only daughter, or as a parent's only child, or, or fill in whatever unique relationship you might have that allows you to feel, and not just know, but feel in your body like you belong. Like you're not alone. Like you don't have to pretend to be somebody that you're not. What does it feel like to be in the presence of someone who, whose very presence near you causes your tight, anxious muscles in your neck and shoulder to relax? You know what that feels like? The stress of the world just begins to sort of melt, melt away when someone who loves you and cares for you is close. God's creative word is made real in a physical body. From the fullness of God expressed in word and in physical presence, we have all received grace upon grace upon grace, endless grace. Our words matter. Our bodies matter. Our actions matter. Our physical world matters. We're told in that creation story that, that God creates humanity from the earth, from the ground for the earth, for this physical world that we live in. Which is why I gave you all some Play-Doh. Uh, has anyone gotten it stuck in the carpet yet? I think my daughter came really close already. Um, it's because Play-Doh is a tactile experience, right? It's a physical experience. If you, I mean, is anybody holding it? Is anybody like taking it out of the container? We're Presbyterians, so I've, I'm guessing that the majority of people have kept it in the container. <laughs> you can take it out of the container. It's a tactile experience. It's not just a word. It's not just an idea. 
It's something sort of physical. It's something that we're actively doing as we sit, somewhat passively listening. And like God forming creation from clay, we too can make things. We can make things with our hands. We can help give shape to the world. Just like we can help give shape to this Plato, we can give shape to the world around us and the relationships that we have with our presence. Not just with our ideas, but with our presence and our actions. We can bring change. So as I mentioned a few weeks ago, we have a welcome statement that we've had for over a year, which are words that are intended to help create space that is open and inclusive for all. And, and I hope it helps. I'll, I'll read it this week. I, I didn't read it last week. It's on your bulletin. Following the way of Jesus and joined together by God's Spirit, we are committed to loving and welcoming all people, regardless of the color of our skin, our gender identity, our sexual orientation, our physical or mental ability, what we have done or haven't done, no matter what questions or doubts we have, we are all equally loved, worthy of belonging, and invited to serve. How can these words become body? How can this idea of inclusion become real? How can grace upon grace upon grace upon endless grace become body, physically experienced by us and by others in this physical world? Here is the church. It is a building. Here is the church. It is people. It is a body that is not stuck in one place. We live our lives out in the world, in this physical world with other people. God is not stuck here either. God is with us out in this world, in this physical world, playing, creating. Will someone play with God? Who will play with God? Has anybody took it out of their container yet? <laughs> we need both types of people, right? Let me pray for us. Jesus, we pray that you would help us to be playful in this world, that we would learn many of the things that we see in our, our own children or the children around us who aren't afraid to play and be creative and make a mess. We pray that you would help us with our, our words and with our actions to be a creative and life-giving people here and out in our city and out in our world. Amen.